James, I have two questions from listeners. One is from James Watts, who comes it comes who via Twitter. Out of the steam engine. He did indeed. Nicely done, James. So James Watts, who's at at James twenty three Watts, and Drew Johnson, who's at at Drew D Johnson, wrote with um, two separate questions, but they're related enough that I'll pose them to you together. Number one from Drew: Is it worth following politics? instead of focusing on other things such as work, family, reading, etc. And from James Watts, we know U.S. voter turnout is sometimes low, but would the outcome of national or statewide elections be different if everyone voted? So I'll answer the first one. It is never worth it to follow politics. Like, there's never anything I can do that would personally change anything. You could even be the president of the United States, and it's still very hard for you to change the outcome of world events, unless it's like you do this some you know super huge military action that takes years to prepare like Iraq or something like that so there's 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 very little any one person can do even and and by the way following politics to me is depressing like you have all these guys like we talked about in an earlier podcast you have all these people who say these outrageous things just to get attention but it may have may or may not have anything to do with actual issues that they care about like we have no clue until they actually hit office and What's the point of following any of that? It's just entertainment. Now, if you love the entertainment, go for it. If you love the game-like aspect of politics, then yeah, enjoy the game, just like you would enjoy sports. But uh, to follow it for the sake of the fact that, oh, maybe the world's going to get better or worse or whatever, that's completely useless. Now, what about the common argument that you need to, I guess it's a two-point argument, that in order to be a, quote, good citizen or an informed citizen, you need to kind that's of That's propaganda, though. Okay. <laughs> Nicely dismissed. No, it's like we, the Uncle Sam, we want you to join the army or we want you to vote. It's a propaganda machine to convince us that it's part of the American religion, that it's good to vote, good to have the white picket fence, good to go to college, good to, you know, have a job and rise up and get promoted. So there's some things you have to say, is this, is this part of the American religion or not? Voting is certainly part of the American religion. Okay, and what about the second part of the argument, the first part of which you've you've nicely dismissed, um, which says that as much as one may dislike how politics works, how government can work, the fact is is that the government does have a lot of leverage and a lot of funding to change policy on the ground, maybe even maybe in small ways and nuanced ways, but often in not, and therefore even if you hate the game or the sport, as you put it, that there are real stakes here. And therefore, even if I dislike the game, dislike the horse race, dislike the sport aspect of it, that it's incumbent upon me to either follow so I know what's coming or maybe even to get engaged so I can influence it for the greater good. Okay, what policy would would affect your life right now? Well, let's say that a forthcoming presidency tries to create a much, much higher or much, much lower tax scheme. We're just a, a very different tax Higher scheme. tax rate for book authors because the society decides we read too much. So we're going to tax There you go. Book that's, writers. that's a tax I could get so, behind. So, And where's the podcast tax? We've really been waiting. Because, you know, can yeah, I just say... Too many podcasts Too many podcasts. We've got to start taxing those guys. I do. Oh, speaking of strategic governmental taxing, I do find it so interesting how state government, or governments generally are so good at being against something until they become in favor of it when they get a cut. So, like, 
you know, states as but we that's know. Just a, that's the point. That's the whole argument is that it's all BS and it's depressing. So why follow it? Well, here, okay. So again, just playing devil's advocate because you know me. I don't. I don't follow politics. You're either. a demon. Uh, I am. But um, the because just because saying something is a rotten and potentially corrupt and wildly inefficient system is not necessarily a good reason to say, well, I'm therefore not going to pay attention to it. It's like, let's say that there's a school in my neighborhood and I don't have any kids, but I know that that school, that there's horrible stuff. It's like the school where Matilda went, Roald Dahl's Matilda, and it's nasty and violent and anyone who actually wants to learn gets kind of punished and beaten up and there's guns and crime and rape and nasty, corrupt teachers. And you can say, well, you know, I don't have any kids, so I'm just not going to worry about it. Is that, uh, is that a good personal citizen policy? No, but, you know, also then you have to look at what are all the solutions. So government is one solution. Another solution is getting other neighbors in your community to be more involved. Okay, and that might be one. Do you do that? Well, I don't do anything, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, and I don't say this in a bad or a good way. Like probably I should do more, but 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 being involved in politics or the government might be the least effective way to accomplish, you know, something like you just said. Why don't get get involved in the school system, or why don't get involved with your neighbors, you know, being I don't know, big brothers and things like that. So there, there's many ways to be active and and, and have change happen in your local society. It's all local, right? Like there's nothing I'm going to do that's going to change U.S. Uh, policy. But but are there things I can do locally to make life better? There's probably many things, and, well, and government's just one of them. Yeah, but I mean, if you think about the federal government's single biggest leverage, I would probably argue that other than declaring war or just starting a war, which is different from declaring war, but those are two options, taxation is a pretty big deal. So, like, basically, the federal government is allowed to charge you three cents on every dime for the right to earn money. So that's that's a lot of tax to pay, and it sets up the likelihood that, A, a lot of people who are meant to pay it won't pay it, the likelihood that a lot of people who do pay it are unhappy about it, and the likelihood that when there's so much money being raised, it will be spent pretty poorly. So how can you say, and again, I'm mostly being devil's advocate because I, like you, do nothing also. Okay, in this case, I mean, we even talked about this exact issue on another podcast where the average American, even though the effective tax rate is 30%. Well, the average uh, federal tax rate for the highest bracket. Yeah, Yeah, the the average American pays 10.1% across all tax returns. So if you put a flat tax in of 10%, you would completely eliminate almost the entire tax code. You would make it much more likely for people to pay. I'm not advocating a flat tax, by the way. This is just a, a one solution. But even me having this solution, even me going on a podcast where we have, you know, 100,000 listeners, even me writing about this in the Wall Street Journal, which I've done, and I've written about it in the New York Post, the Wall Street Journal, many other places, obviously nothing I've done, and I have somewhat of a voice has affected any change whatsoever. Steve Forbes, who runs Forbes magazine, is in favor of flat tax. Despite presenting all the facts, evidence from other countries, everything that suggests this might be the right way to go, 
Nobody even considers it among policymakers. So what can you really hope to do? So to answer Drew Johnson's question, is it worth following politics instead of focusing on other things? Your answer is a resounding no. Well, I would focus on how I can be healthier, how I can be more creative, because maybe I can write books then, which allude to some of the issues and solve some of the issues. How can I be more grateful for what I have so I'm not always complaining about big government that's always trying to get to me? Um, How can I be, you know, surround myself with good people so I'm not always thinking about, you know, the bad people in, in government? Like these things, if I change myself, I think that has the ripple effect that will change the people around me. And ultimately, I hope that can have more of an effect on society than me like carrying a, a poster in front of a Clinton or Trump rally and, and saying, oh, let's, let's change the world. James and I will have more to say about this in a minute. But first, we have to hear a quick word from our sponsor, Do Not Go Away. Thanks to Squarespace for sponsoring this episode of Question of the Day. Whether you need a landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or an online store, it's all included with your Squarespace website. Designing your website should feel fun and creative, and with Squarespace's simple, intuitive process, it actually is. You can add and arrange your content and features with the click of a mouse. Squarespace also makes adding a custom.com domain name to your site simple. If you sign up for a year, you'll receive a custom domain for free for a year. Squarespace also offers award-winning templates and customizable settings. Trying to run a business website? Well, Squarespace can help you there with easy-to-use and seamless commerce tools. From nationally recognized brands to your favorite local shops, Squarespace is trusted by hundreds of thousands of savvy shop owners around the world, including all the tools you need to track inventory, process orders, and send custom emails in one intuitive interface. Squarespace Commerce allows you to understand every aspect of your business. And here's one of the most important parts. Squarespace offers 24-7 customer support. This isn't 9 to 5 Monday through Friday, delayed response stuff. If you have a problem getting your website to look or act like you imagine it, one of their team is always online to assist you. No question or problem is too big or too small, and every member of the customer care team is an experienced Squarespace user working in a Squarespace office. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com and enter offer code QUESTION to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace. Set your website apart. So James Watts' question, we know U.S. voter turnout is sometimes low, but would the outcome of national or statewide elections be different if everyone voted? So there are those, obviously, the kind of standard conventional wisdom is that, you know, we bemoan and gnash our teeth at our relatively low voter turnout rate in this country, about 55, 60 percent presidential elections. Some people would argue, in fact, I would find myself among these people who argue that it's surprising that it's that high when you consider how little, you know, either A— right, It's like a lottery ticket. Well, how little—right, it is a lottery—right. It's you're, you're buying the the right to dream for a little bit. So I, I think probably f- for many listeners, probably best exemplified in people who were very pro-Obama both in 2008 and 2012, they thought like, oh my God, we won the lottery. But then all the things that they hoped for— they actually didn't get, or a lot of things. So, you know, the Obama presidency is, in my view, an interesting one. It'll be chewed over in a lot of directions um, for, for a long time, and I think will be assessed very differently 10 or 20 years from now than it is now. How, how do you think it'll be assessed? I think I think Obama is going to go down as a really good president. But one of the things that is, t- 
to me most interesting about the Obama presidency is how much executive order he's used. And, you know, there's an interesting argument made by a, a political scientist named Eric Posner at the University of Chicago that the presidents that we think of as the most successful in history are the ones who essentially violate the Constitution the most. And that's because presidential power is not afforded for presidential leadership even is not a right in the Constitution. The president actually has very few rights in the Constitution. And so it's those who actually circumvent the most, often in times of crisis or war, but not always, who make the most history, essentially. But Obama, maybe for a different set of reasons, mostly having to do with what he describes as a recalcitrant Congress, has um, has just decided to do as much as he can unilaterally, and, it, and it's been a lot. Now, there are a lot of interesting after-effects to that, including that, you know— um, it sets a precedent. So if a president from another party comes in later and says, well, this guy did that, then I can do that plus one. But in terms of voter turnout, my argument is like, I'm surprised 60% of people, that sounds like a lot of people to vote because there seems to be so little connection between what you get for spending your energy and time to go vote. And uh, Well, you and- think about it, like, you know, because because it's not a democracy, it's a republic, so we, we really vote for these electors, whatever. So New York State it makes almost no sense to vote. It's going to all go to Hillary, whether you vote for Trump or, or Hillary, doesn't matter. New York in general votes for Hillary. So Isaac Asimov has this famous short story, I forgot what it's called, where they finally figure out, okay, New York State, the voters don't matter. This region, the voters don't matter. And they finally figure out, a computer, quote unquote, figures out the one person in the United States whose vote counts, and that's the only person who votes in this story. And then, so I think this year that one person's name is Pennsylvania, <laughs> or you know, Florida has always mm-hmm. been, you know. But 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 then they would even say in the counties, like, well, this county is definitely going there. This county. So finally, the computer picks the one person whose vote was the swing vote. You know, either way. All right. So here's a, here's a, here's one of several proposed solutions to counter this longstanding problem. Tell internet me th- voting. Tell me what you think of this. Well, internet. Voting. What what makes you say that? I'm curious. Because then you have a pure democracy, and then I, I have I'm more likely to click on what the issues might be, and uh, uh, you know I have more. Access. How do you think it would affect turnout? I think turnout will go way up. Well, can I tell you something? Mm-hmm. I don't think you're right. You're telling me either there'd be more turnout if I had to get in a car, stand online, take time off from my job. Like each one of these things reduces turnout by a huge amount, as opposed to just waking up in the morning. Oh, click. Yes, Boom, I am telling done. you that. Want uh-huh. me to tell you why? Yes. I can't say this with certainty, but there's some really interesting research evidence that argues that you're wrong, and here's why. So in Switzerland, as you may know, they love their referenda, right? They have nationwide referenda. On, I did not know that, by the way. They the have, Swiss were all about referenda. They, they're about cho- the chocolate, and the referenda. money, the watches, and Skiing. the referenda. Right. And, uh, and so they have a lot of referenda there where you know national policies are voted on by the, by the whole citizenry. And so there was a very nice, um, it wasn't an experiment, it was what you'd call a natural experiment, where a change happened, but it happened in different places and different times. I think the Swiss areas, provinces are called cantons, canton, C-A-N-T-O-N, I'm not even sure if that's right or if I'm pronouncing it right, but the different provinces enacted at different times mail-in voting, right, which was the equivalent then, this was a few years back of internet voting, just make it a lot easier. You, like, get the ballot delivered to you, all you had to do was fill it out, put it back in the mailbox, you're done. With the expectation, of course, that it would raise participation. As it turns out, it did not. And everyone was very baffled about this. And the researchers who explored it came up with a theory that resonates to me, it's hard to prove beyond a doubt, 
But the argument was that people vote in part, perhaps in large part, because of the civic participation portion of voting and that the civic participation is measured or judged how? By being seen voting. And therefore, if you don't actually get seen by neighbors, friends, you want to have that personal pride of showing up to have your name checked off on the ballot. Everything being propaganda-related, what you just said, but go ahead. Well, no, I'm just saying those are— It's more about, like, being seen than the actual wanting to participate in in government. okay. But the fact is is that the assumption that making it easier to do something, in this case vote by internet or by mail, would necessarily encourage a higher rate of participation while— perfectly logical, in this case at least, would seem to suggest that's not true, which I found to be interesting. Well, that is interesting, and so I agree that study must have existed, but I don't necessarily agree that that applies to internet voting, because take Netflix, you're voting for movies. I never once got a, did the mail Netflix where they mailed you a DVD and you mailed it back even though they had the whole envelope. That seemed to me too inconvenient than going to the local video store and getting uh, a VHS tape or a DVD or whatever. But, uh... So wait, you did go to VHS stores? Yes. But you wouldn't do it by mail? No. Netflix, right. And, but... And I plainly, sp- can we just say, though, VHS stores did go out of business, Netflix did not, which would suggest, perhaps, right, that, that your behavior be... was not in the majority. True. All right. So I'm just talking about myself. I don't know about studies. I would vote on the... <laughs> I don't I, know about no stinking I, studies. I, I stream Netflix TV shows or movies all the time, but I never participated in Netflix until then. Isn't because that because I like to you just, had an affair with the mailman and you just uh, something went sour there? Isn't that what happened with that, you? And- that probably is true with multiple mailmen at the same time. It was really disgusting. But um, Why was it disgusting? Uh, are you... Are are you homophobic the, now? No, because of the multiple. Oh, multiple mailmen. <laughs> Where, where's yeah. your mind going? Somehow I've never heard the word mailmen before, but it does <laughs> uh, it does cast the postal service and hold new light. But I would vote on the internet, but I wouldn't like mail my... Why would I mail my vote back to the government? Like, now I, I don't need to do that. Right. When's the last time you voted, James? Um, 1991. You know who I voted for? In 91? Yeah. Was it a congressional mayor? It wasn't a presidential. Um, Harris Wofford versus oh. Dick Thornburg, Senate for <laughs> Pennsylvania, special runoff election. I forgot someone. Did you have died, a, Were you friends with uh, the cousin of one of the candidates or something? Was there some personal connection? No, nah, for that, you at, just, at that you point. You were up for it? Yeah, like, like I was in school then, so. Who'd I, you vote for? I voted for Harris Wofford. Why? Zero, zero reason at all. Like, I had no reason. Probably some girl I liked said, you should vote for Harris Wofford, and I wanted to impress her, so I voted for Harris Wofford. Meanwhile, at another point, another girl I liked around the same time um, was a big fan of Dan Quayle, the vice president, and I said, Dan Quayle is probably the best vice president we've ever had. (laughs) That's how much I would, my politics was was determined by whoever I was seeing at the time. So, let's say this about James Altucher. Your voting logic may be a little, um, how we say, thin, but... Although although probably average. But I was going (laughs) to say, uh, you're probably perfectly representative of the reason that we actually do vote and why we generally get the politicians that we deserve. I'm going to run for president next in 2020. And I will... Run for vice president. (laughs) Can't wait until next week for more QOD. Hear a bit of our next show right after this.
everyone. This is Scott Aukerman of Comedy Bang Bang. I want to tell you that Now Hear This is a brand new podcast festival that's happening this fall. Get ready for a weekend of live performances and opportunities to meet your favorite podcasters. Now Hear This will feature podcasting titans like me, Scott Aukerman, doing Comedy Bang Bang Live, in addition to How Did This Get Made, WTF with Mark Marin, with special guest Lauren Lapkus, Brilliant Idiots, and more being announced all the time, including plenty more Earwolf and non-Earwolf favorites. Lock the gate! It's all happening in Anaheim, California, October 28th through the 30th. You'll get Halloween off. Don't worry. Buy your tickets now and get all the details at nowhearthisfest.com. Next time on Question of the Day. All right, so here it is. Is it better to throw out the first number in a negotiation or wait for them to throw out the first number? Oh, because I have different opinions number, on this. First number. Well, so, so, so classic negotiation advice is wait for them to throw out the first number but i think to myself better for me to anchor the first number than to let them anchor the first number question of the day is produced and mixed by nathan rossborough with allison hockenberry 